Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Sounds a little bit mysterious, but it sounds fun. It is. <laughs> so, how are you, man? How, how's your day going so far? Not too bad. You know, we're just uh, putting some things together. We got a lot of projects on the table, waiting for this madness to let up. You know, right? And definitely stalling a lot of people's plans. Yeah, it is, without a doubt. Um, but there's some things that we're doing we can move forward with. Just that we can't explode it out the way we want to. So, have but more times. It's, it's coming around. Yeah, man, and um, you know, actually, the other day I was watching um Superman two. I think uh, Steve Joiner, um, yeah. he was playing a watch party the other day on Facebook. Okay. And um, man, so you were one of the main villains in Superman two. Yep, one and two. We were just oh. in the beginning of one, then we got put out of the, in the glass in the prison, and then we come out of the prison and back into two. It's two, we're, we're the main characters through two with, with Christopher. I see. Oh, the first one as well. I, I, I hardly remember the first one, but wow. Wow. Yeah, oh. we get at the beginning of one, we're on trial with Brando. We're on trial, and they, we get put into that glass prison. Oh, I see. Into space. And in the second one, you come back out of the glass? Yeah. Okay. Man, you're a big guy, man. They're very intimidating. Just a country boy. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, so so you were a heavyweight, heavyweight boxer before Heavyweight champion of California. And I was a world-ranked fighter for several years. We were, wow. supposed, we were signed to fight Ali a few times. Supposed to fight Frazier once. This didn't happen, but you know it is what it is. Yep, man. And and what what made you decide to go from boxing to acting? I you know uh, when I started boxing and I was in Philadelphia, and then they sent me up to Boston, and and when I was undefeated in about half dozen fights up in Boston. Steve McQueen came there to do the Thomas Crown Affair. And we watched over him while he was there. And he and I became very good friends. And And he said, man, come down on a set. And he said, you know, I'm going to put you in the movie and get you a card. Come back to Hollywood. We'll have a ball. And um, I said, ah, I don't think I'm undefeated as a heavyweight. And, and I think things are going pretty good. And um, I don't know. It's not for me at the moment. And he kept calling me on the phone and stuff. And then in 1969, I knocked out Manuel Ramos in L.A., who was ranked number two in the world. Damn. And they came to me to do a picture called The Great White Hope, which was the biggest movie in Hollywood with James Earl Jones. And um, they, they, they made a deal with some friends of mine from the East Coast, thinking I was just going to walk in, sign a contract. And then when the guy said to me, you got to go to Spain for six months, I said, whoa, I just beat the number two heavyweight in the world. I'm ready to fight Ali. You want me to go to Spain? And we went back and forth, and I said, ah, I don't think this is for me. And boy, some people got very very upset and stuff. And I and I said, I, you know, I passed. And, and I left. And when I was leaving, I, I met James Earl Jones coming up the steps in the Fox, and he showed you how fast rumors click around. He, called, he, he grabbed me. He said, you, aren't you Jack O'Hara? And I said, yeah. I said, 
through James Earl Jones. He said, absolutely. He said, is it true what I just heard about you? I said, depends on what you heard. <laughs> he said, you just told Hollywood to take the biggest movie out there and stick it. I said, well, so many words. He said, I got to shake your hand. I never met anybody at the deputy. So we became pretty good friends. And then McQueen called me on the phone. What is wrong with you? I said, man. So it just, when I retired, though, it came to me to do a picture, Farewell, My Lovely, with Robert Mitchell. And uh, I looked around where I was, and I said, you know, maybe it's time we give this a shot. And I came out, they flew me out and did a screen test, and Mitchum said, it's either him or I don't do the movie. So I blame it all on Robert Mitchum. <laughs> That's good. Everything happens for a reason, right? Oh, yeah. No, it worked out very well. I couldn't, you couldn't have a better mentor than Mitchum was. Mitchum just took me by the hand, showed me what I had to do and explained the industry to me. And, uh, and it worked out very well. And then very well, my love is if you've never seen it, you should take a shot at watching it. It's a great picture. Okay. Farewell, my love. Farewell, my lovely. Yeah. Wow. Raymond Chandler classic. I love those old movies. You can't beat them. Yeah. No, it's a great film. Great cast, great movie. So that was your first film? That was my first film. Then the second film was King Kong, because I did a great job in Farewell, and it worked out really well, so it just vaulted me into the industry. And King Kong was a big film, and we did King Kong, and then we did a picture called March or Die, and then we did, from March or Die, we went to Superman. Wow. So we how was Superman? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Superman was a long, long shoot, like a few years, you know? Wow. A few By years? Time we did one and two. So how was acting? Um, did you find it difficult at first? No, actually, I found it quite easy, to be honest with you. It was uh, the timing from sports helped a lot. But and, and having Mitchum as a mentor didn't hurt, you know, it just... Uh, and it came very natural to me. So just learning how to position yourself and how to look through the camera and stuff like that and technical things that, uh, that Mitchum taught me. And, and uh, you know, it's just any, any first thing he ever said to me, he said, listen, kid, just be yourself. He said, you take yourself and put this character in you and be you. Walk down the street just like you and, uh, and you'll be fine. And, and that's the trick, you know, just not to get caught acting. Just being real and being yourself. And, and it worked out very well. You know, and the camera liked me a lot. And, it, and when the camera likes you, you got to, it's a home run. You know? Yeah, for sure, man. Very good work. I mean, wow. Yeah, we natural. did Superman. We became iconic with Superman. But, and Superman gave me an opportunity to do something that <clears throat> when I went, when they brought me up to London, Hackman and I were doing a picture together called March or Die. Uh, and we were doing that in Spain and they flew us up to London to meet Donner. And Donner, you know, said to me, you know, what, how do you feel about playing a, a, a mute, a deaf mute? Uh, I said, uh, I, I cherished that. I said, because Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine and he did a picture called Jigo that won an Oscar for him where he played a deaf, dumb mute. And I said, uh, if I ever get an opportunity to play a character like that, I want to embrace it because it allowed me to use body language and facial expression. And the fact that Terrence was a, a vicious general and Sarah was a man eater, somebody had to relate to the kids in the audience because it was a big child movie. So I took this brutish guy and I played him like a child learning how to work his eyes and, you know, being adoring to Zod. And, and, uh, and it worked out pretty well, you know. It, uh, yeah, a lot of kids come up to me when I did Comic-Cons. And a lot of people come up and say, boy, I was a kid watching that movie. You scared the hell out of me, but I loved your character. <laughs> yes, <You know>? exactly. <laughs> and it, uh, it's, so learning how to burn a hole in the trunk and all, they're all related to children, and it worked out really good. Thank God. Yeah, I, I could totally see that because, uh, you know, very intimidating and very buff guy, you know. <laughs> and um, But for some reason, 
in the movie, like, I kind of felt bad for the villains. I, I don't know why, like, um, well, like I had it, that childlike mannerism that kind of worked, you know? I mean, yeah. I remember the first Comic-Con I ever did, people came up to me and said, oh my God, you can actually talk. <laughs> so I said, I must have sold that pretty good, huh? They said, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, and uh, I could, you know, you, you did very well because I could imagine how it could be a little bit more difficult without talking, right? Because how you were saying you have to use more body language, facial expressions. That takes technique right there. No, it worked out really well. I, I, I mean, it gave me an opportunity to express a manner of acting, you know? And, uh, and, and it came out, it worked well. Thank God. So and, uh, it made us like iconic figures. Yeah, for sure. And how you I mean, here say- you are, forty some years later, and the film's as good today as it was when it came out. I mean, yes. they've never done anything. The tech that we broke a lot of technology rules with that film. You know, we got away. With, there's no CGI junk in there. It's a, you know we we did all the things. It was and we we had a new technology called VistaVision that they shot VistaVision on VistaVision. And it worked really, really well. Oh, shit. So is that how they did most of the special effects? Well, the fight scenes and all. You know, we, we had like a big 70-foot screen and pole arms that came out of it with a body mold. And we laid in the body mold and the loudest movements of like flying movements down, around, and up. And they shot us into the film. The film was on the screen behind us. And they shot us in the film. So when you see us flying under bridges and around buildings and stuff without any wires and everything, people say, wow, man, look at this. How they, and it wasn't CGI. It was us. So it, it, it came out so well. And like I said, today it still holds up better than anything they've done. So Yeah. Um, not too shabby. It's definitely a breakthrough right there in technology. Yeah, no, they broke a lot of technical rules. I mean, it, was very long and tedious doing it, but it was well worth it. It came out really well. So is that why it took so long to film? Yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the scenes took a long time to do, you know. And they, uh, and then when we were we were shooting one and two together, we were doing both films together when we started, and they we got hung up. Donner got hung up doing two, and they they we had to stop to finish one because they had the delivery date. For one, so we had to stop and finish one, and uh, and it, it it just worked out. It really was a great film. I had no idea you guys did that. Uh, so you filmed most of one and two together at, at the same yeah, time. Donner had shot eighty-five percent of one. That's why have you ever seen the Donner cut of two? Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, you got to see that. The Donner cut of two is much better. And the luster cut. They have more scenes. Well, it's just, it's not as much comedy, much oh. realer. Oh wow! So it's uh, you should do yourself a favor and get the Donner cut and we'll, watch the Donner cut. Will you do. thought Superman two was good? Watch the Donner cut. Oh man, he got me excited now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, it's a lot more serious film. And how was it working with uh, Christopher Reeves? It was good. You know, Christopher was, it was his first big movie. He had never done anything really before that. And uh, and he was very naive. And, you know, it's like a lot of actors. You have to learn as you go, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, but there'll never be another Superman like Christopher. And, and he should thank Donner for that for the rest of his life because Donner got a performance out of him that was magic. And if you think that's not true of Donner, Superman 3 is not that good and 4 was terrible. You know, because Donner, I mean, getting rid of Donner was the worst mistake they ever made. For sure. And do you know why they got rid of Donner? They didn't want to pay him. Oh... That's why, I mean, how do you cut Marlon Brando out of a picture? Marlon Brando's not in Superman 2, but he's in in the Donner cut. He's in the whole movie. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, oh. no, no, you got to watch the. You got to get. You have to get the Donner cut. For sure, man. Oh my God, I had no idea about that. Wow. They didn't want to pay Brando. Brando, they had already paid him to do both movies. They didn't want to pay him the points. Oh, they didn't want to give him like the credit for it. Well, he no, he had. There's a lot of money involved. He owned points in the movie. Oh, I see. That's a smart move. Well, wasn't so smart for the franchise though. If Donner would have finished two, he'd have went on and did three, four, five, six. Would have been a much different franchise. Oh wow, I never thought about it that way. So they actually shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> they did. I had no idea that stuff went on. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. So. It's it's business. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gene Hackman never came back to finish too. We, you know, they, they had a lot of footage that Donner shot, but they just used that. And then they did a guy, a, a stunt guy, they shot him from behind in a couple of scenes to fill some stuff in, but Hackman wouldn't come back. He wouldn't work for us. They ruined it. It was stupid, dumb. Yeah, they got too greedy, sounds like. No, that's the bottom line, you know. It's, uh, it's unfortunate that filmmakers get into that kind of a click, you know. Mm -hmm. They had a good thing going. They had a great thing going. And We're um, trying to put a film together now, and I think uh, we're waiting for Warner Brothers to be totally taken over by AT&T, and then we're going to go to them. We have a great storyline. And with the technology that's out there, I can bring Christopher Reeve back. What? And the three villains. And we have an unbelievable storyline to bring all of us back in again. So and, uh, is it going to be like a reboot or like a sequel? Be like a sequel. Oh, my God, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a mind blower. It really will. Because we, like I said, we have a great storyline. And. And, and what we want to give you a little trip of it, what what winds up happening is that the three villains become cohorts of Superman, fighting all these, you know, all the villains that are coming from different planets now, and all these Marvel things and everything. Well, the three villains become cohorts with Superman, fighting all these people off from Earth. Holy shit. It's like the Superman Avengers kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. I have a way of reversing all the stuff that the, the thinking process. And, you know, like Nan, my character was a brilliant scientist and they they lobotomized him. So we can reverse all that. So people will hear me say, I won't kneel before Zod, not at all. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine. Oh, my that's God. Gonna, that'd be great. That'd be good. That'd be nuts. People would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. Really gonna be good. And um, can you talk about that? I know there's some of that you know that you probably can't talk about, right? Well, Cause... you have to get the deal done first. It's not good to, you know. Mm -hmm, for like sure. I said I've already gave you the part of the storyline is putting all of us together, taking us out of. We have a way to take us out of prison. We put our powers back, and. Uh, with a better set of mind thinking where we, we, we join up with Superman and it's going to be a lot of fun. Holy and we're shit. going to put it back to the all American way where not everybody's killing everybody. You know, there's better ways of doing it than that. Yeah. That's one thing I loved about Superman and cause he was so strong and powerful, but, and he had the power to just tear people up, you know, yeah, but he didn't exactly. No, it was all the all-American way. And, you know, it was very, uh, it worked out very well. And, and that's why there were such great films, you know. But they got into this darkness and darker and darker and darker. Now you got Superman and Batman fighting each other. And all craziness, you know. <laughs> and now Batman's killing people. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. You know what I mean? So we take it back the other way. The people will love it. I think it'll, be, it'll, it'll do well. Definitely, people would absolutely love it. And I think it's going to be another breakthrough in technology once again, you know? You should have all your fans dial in and tell 
how they would react if we did that. I love that idea for sure. I would say would like it if we brought back Christopher and brought back the original way of doing Superman oh and have God. the three villains come back. You know I'll definitely ask around. I would love feedback. Party know what they're gonna say. Everyone's mind is gonna be blown. I mean, well, that's... Well, that's the more, the more, the more dialogue we have about it, the easier it'll get to get the deal done. The more that they see the fan base wants to do this, you understand? Mm -hmm. To make it easier for us to get the deal put through. That way, they let them know that there's people they want. Oh this yeah, to have... people people react saying we want this. We want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a game changer. Bring everybody back and continue the story. Oh my God. Yeah, and do it in a, in a in the same manner that we did the first two, where it's not so dark, where it's really entertaining. You know. And that will definitely stand out nowadays. There's no movies like oh, that yeah. no more. Oh, actually, I mean, like I said, there'll never be another Superman like Christopher. And we have enough dialogue and everything. And with the with with the technology that's there today, and they've already proven it works. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman died halfway through the last picture he did, and he finished the picture. And you never know he was wasn't him, you know. And they did with Michael Jackson. They did with a few other things. But the technology of holograms is there. And it's so realistic. It's brilliant. So having him say whatever we want, there's enough dialogue to put that all together. So it would be absolutely terrific. And then to have your character talk, wow. <laughs> that would be a mind blower. For sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not only talk, but talk at a very educated level. <laughs> like like the scientist that he was, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I, I didn't remember that that was a story behind him. He was a scientist, and they lobotomized him? He was a major, major scientist, and to, to stop him, they lobotomized him. Oh, because he was, he was getting, like, too many crazy ideas or something? Well, he and Zod, they were looking to take things over, and he had all the technology ideas of doing it. And they so... They just lobotomized him and put him in jail. Oh, damn. That's how they stopped him. Wow. Oh, my God. You got me so excited talking about That was about in the that. original comics that way. The character was like that in the comics. So they kept it true to the comics. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that movies ain't doing nowadays. They, they, they have the comics, and then they just change the whole thing. Well, they've got these idiot writers that, you know, they, they think that everything's got to be more gory and more, you know, they've got into such a dark space, all the zombie stuff and killings and stuff like that. And that's because you, the, the studios are run by NBA guys now. Nobody has any creativity. So they just keep remaking stuff, you know, and they're not remaking it very well. That's a very good point. Uh, so many movies they're being remade. They just they don't they no, don't stand up to the original. They just, no, they don't. Not even close. And that's it. And that's because people have no creative thinking. You know, they got guys that are MBAs running the studios. They they're there for a couple of years. They steal a lot of money, and they're gone. There's nobody with any longevity to give back what the creativity of the film industry. So we're going to do that. We're building a studio in Nevada that's going to be the biggest studio in the history of the business, and everything will be under one roof. Everything, every technology, all under one roof and put back the industry where it should be. Wow. You're setting things straight, and you, you have that passion that sounds like most movie guys don't have nowadays, like you were saying they're just in it for the cash grab, well, you know? It's just like the book that I wrote, Family Legacy. We're going to go back and tell the truth about a lot of things that happened in the country. In other words, my father was a very infamous man. He was partners with Charlie Luciano and Lucky, uh, Meyer Lansky and Frank Costello. And uh, they were all the first unit of organized crime. And what people don't understand is that when they first started out, The government, industry, organized crime, and unions were all partners for years. 
until the 60s because they, they took a lot of illicit money and they put it back into the growth of the country. My father ran all the waterfronts and everything. So all the jobs, if you were, their main income in those days was gambling, loan sharking and extortion. And you had to have a job to pay them. They weren't in the drug business originally. Drug business didn't come to way later on. They were, they were in, they, they made money in the streets. You understand? So they created, if you owed them gambling and you owed the money, they got you a job on construction. They put you to work. They made sure you had able to pay them. What? And they I took no that money and they built other companies. They, they, they invested in Westinghouse, General Electric, Sears and Robux, you know, the, the growth of a country they were part of. No one ever tells that story. So we're going to. So my Ow. first book goes from my father's death to Kennedy's death. And I tell the truth about the Kennedy assassination. So we're oh. going to do, we're going to incorporate some lives and we're going to do a mini series that will lead into a series. And it'll be, it'll make the Godfather look like a child's game, Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, because we're going to tell a lot of truth about how things interfaced in different states, different countries, and, you know. Wow, I had no idea there was, like, American history like that in the mob. You know, I, I didn't know they got people jobs. Wow. Oh, yeah, positively. Absolutely. They controlled the unions. They controlled the unions. They control, And they, you know, like I said, gambling is an addiction. You know, people gamble. But even the way they ran gambling you had a better shot at winning money. In other words, when they did the numbers and they were running the numbers in the streets, it was a thousand to one odds. Damn. So you had an opportunity to win, you know, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. You, you weren't only betting nickels and quarters, you understand? But you had an opportunity of winning. Today, when you buy a lottery ticket, it's like 25 million to one chances of you winning. But when they did the numbers in the streets, it was a thousand to one. So there were always winners and they wanted it that way because it made them more business. It kept, it kept people coming back, huh? Oh yeah. They, you know, people, it was a big trick. They bet a number every day. It was they dream about it? I mean, I, when I was a kid, I had certain areas of a city where we ran numbers and we made these dream, we got these dream books that we used to give away. So people would dream about a number. You know? <laughs> wow. They played, them. they played numbers every day. Like I said, even if they bet a quarter or a nickel or a dime or whatever, they put, they could win 25 bucks, 50 bucks. Well, in those days, 50 bucks was a lot of money. If your kid needed a pair of sneakers or a bicycle, or you had a bill to pay, you know, to win $50 or $100 was a big deal. That's like winning a thousand bucks nowadays. <laughs> well, yeah, easy for sure. So they, you know, it was a, it was a whole different manner of living, and and you go back in into that era, there was no the neighborhoods were safer. Children played in the streets from sun up to sundown. We never went home until dinner time, and then you better be home for dinner. <laughs> so because families sat down and ate dinner together, they don't do that today. You know for sure. And you had a whole different schematic of things. And, and there was no drive-by shootings. You know, I was raised in Philadelphia in a row home. We never locked our front door. In the summertime, there was no air conditioning. People slept outside in the backyards, put up web tents for the mosquitoes and slept out. Nobody ever came by and bothered people, raping anybody or shit like that, or robbing them. Because the neighbors were run by the old Dons. And it was either the Irish mob or the Jewish mob, but they took care of their neighborhoods. It's wow. a whole different kettle of fish. So that makes you question, who's the bad guy, right? I mean, if they're taking care of people, that's amazing. Nobody ever tells that story. Very true. You know what I mean? Wow, I had no idea they did that. I mean, you know, I just... And, they and that's in the history books, but no one ever really teaches the proper history of the country. You know, they just want to see their side of the story. Well, there you go. The media controls your mind. I mean, it's like all this junk that's going on today. Okay. And it's all junk. 
all this racism and all that shit, that's all bullshit. And the sad mm-hmm. part is children are not going to school. The education level in our country is diminishing. And people say, well, there's homeschooling. Yeah, there is for some, but that's not the major population. Very true. You understand? And if you go back, and, and you, this is a good exercise for you. Go on your computer, because all you young guys are computer literate. Go on your computer and go back to 1960 and look at what the uh, um, what the level of, of uh, um, literacy was. Okay, we were, the country was like 90% literate in 1960. Today, we're lucky if we're 45% literate. Oh my God, less than half. Because when I, was in, when I was a kid and you went to school, if you didn't pass your year, they left you back. You had to repeat the year. I got a good idea. I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're broke down. Oh, yeah. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, when but I carry it in a, like an 800 pound safe. We are Happy Hour News Team. Follow us. We love Florida, man. They say they're gold damaged. They're gold damaged goods. Damaged goods. Oh. So we talk cars. Shooby dooby doo. Shooby dooby doo. Am I? No. If you don't know where you're at. Oh, I know where I'm at. Oh, but you just said, where am I? Well, I was trying to, like, <laughs> no, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Fuck, there's a microphone. Big yellow truck driving away. I think you've had too much to We are happy our news team. We are happy our news You can't. We are Happy Hour News Team. Follow us. Okay, so let's uh, let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> I'm Anthony. I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of the A period C period T period podcast. That's right, the ACT Podcast. You gotta put the periods in between. I told you it was gonna be too hard to find. Don't worry, folks. It's not a show about acting. Thank God. It's a show about anything and everything. Like how tiny your penis is. Yep, we cover sex, religion, politics, day-to-day life, and... And how tiny your penis is! Yes, we got that. Well, I just want to make sure people realize that we make fun of everything. Of course we do. We even have a blind agent that comes in. Yes, yeah, so if you want to have some fun and laugh at our ridiculous attempts of humor, come join us on the ACT Podcast, the ACT Podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. So when they put the push system in, where they were pushing everybody through, you wound up with kids sitting in 12th grade. They were lucky they could spell their name. <laughs> Very true. You understand? I knew guys that went to college because their families had money and bought their way into college and they couldn't add two and two to make four. <laughs> so you have a lot of people doing things that shouldn't be doing. In other words, it, it's sad. The illiteracy in our country should not be the way it is. Very true. I And I completely agree with you with the education system and you know, people just, they're not learning as much. They're just pushing them through. Well, let me ask you a question. The difference between high school and college 
is your ability to read and retain what you read. That's what it's all about, okay? So people don't read anymore. They're on the internet playing games. They're, they're, nobody talks to each other anymore. They text each other. There's no face-to-face -face conflict or face-to-face -face understanding of who people really are. Does that make any sense to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, how old are you? Agree with... Let me uh, ask you a question. How old are you? I'm going to be 33 next month. So you're a baby. Mm -hmm. But you were raised up in the same, in what the area that I'm talking about. Yep. People, computers were their world, man. The media is their world. They don't, they don't, they don't look at history. They don't read history. They don't teach you history properly. All you're doing is you're getting history from the media. Yep, exactly. You're sitting there looking at the news every day, and the news is made to win awards. They don't tell you the truth. Yep, very true. You got this stuff. Oh, you see all these riots that went on? Okay? You had somebody. There were pallets of bricks being put in neighborhoods. One crew came in and took the bricks, threw them through the windows. Another crew came and took the loot out. Another crew had trucks around the corner to carry it off. That's organized. Yep. That cost a lot of money to do that. That's not spontaneous. You know what I'm saying to you? That's all organized. And all they've done with all this pandemic stuff is hurt the economy of our country. Believe me, you don't want to see socialism in America. You want your freedom taken away? Would yep. you like your freedom taken away? Hell no. Mm -mm. Well, what do you think is happening? It's happening. You're right. How can you take police out of the streets? Do you know what will happen if there's no police force? Or you get that chance. Do you know how many guns have been sold since all these all these demonstrations have started? How many weapons are going back into society? Yes, they're cleaning out the stores and in fools' that. hands. Yep. People that are not fools trained. Hands. If you don't know how to work a gun, understand what a gun's about, you should not even own one. Exactly. Very true. You understand? Mm -hmm. This is, this is, I mean, we're going backwards. We're not going forwards. You're allowing people to come in and put socialism and communism in our country. They're definitely pushing that agenda. Yep. And they're pushing that agenda. I mean, it's, it's diabolical what's going on. And what's, what's sad is most people don't see that. Like what the media doesn't show you is uh, I seen the uh, cell phone footage, footage of yeah. the, the cops. They were unloading the bricks from their truck. And it was a police truck. Crazy, huh? They just, they did, listen, they've got stuff that they're showing. They're making shit. They're making stuff up to make things look so bad and to make society try to turn itself around. All mm -hmm. that, you know, they have that one group, George Soros. They pay people to go to those demonstrations. Here they come out with this virus that they're saying they want to separate people, stay in your house, and they have all these demonstrations, half the people not wearing masks, and they wonder why the virus spiked so high in the country. And yep. half of the people dying in the hospitals are not all dying of the virus. They have some of the respiratory problems, different diseases, but they're saying they're dying from this virus because they get more money for it. Yep, you could die from a heart attack and they'll say it's it was a virus. They'll say they'll blame it on the virus because they're getting more money for it. And and no one no one wants to see that because the media covers everything up. For sure. You're a smart man. I mean, just it's so so foolish. You got thirteen percent of the country or twenty percent of the country is, is black. Okay? But all this African shit that they're promoting, these people were born in America. They didn't come from Africa. And if yep. they looked at their own history, their own people sold them into slavery. Yes. White people didn't sell them into slavery. Their African people down in Africa sold them into slavery. Yep, all, They don't even know their own history. Those different tribes that would uh, kidnap they them, right? They sold people into history. Yep. Into slavery. You understand? But nobody... Nobody talks about that. Nobody tell all they're talking about is white people putting black people in slavery. That's all bollocks. 
Nobody tells the truth about what really goes on. Yeah. And if you really looked at your computer, if you used your computer to look back in history, you'd find answers that would scare you. They were talking about communism 60 years ago. Oh, wow. There's very smart men that predicted what was going to happen. That's scary. How people didn't want us to have democracy in this country. We were the only country in the world with democracy. Freedom. Freedom of speech. Freedom. The That's last disappearing all the time. Mm-hmm. You understand? When, when your forefathers came from different countries and they came into America, before they could raise their hand and become a citizen, they had to speak English. Yep. And when they came into this country, they wanted to be Americans. You understand that? Mm-hmm. They wanted the culture here. They didn't want to say, the hell with your culture. We'll bring our own culture yep. and set it up our way, and we'll rob your culture of all the money you're going to give us, cell phones and and, and college educations. When you got people born in America who, who can't get a college education, when a foreigner comes in, and they give it to them because they're trying to get votes. Very true. And this started four presidents ago. It just didn't happen yesterday. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. You know, just like um, in, in schools, they they took away the um, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance because they, they took all the anything American. They take away. Yep. They took it away. How could you do that? we yep. and Obama did that. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want to away, offend other. They took other away countries. anything that was American, mm-hmm. and they tried to change it over. Well, that's being. Prejudice. What do you mean? Are you crazy? <laughs> All these people that that are they're talking about of different races that they all fought in the wars, white, black, yellow, nig, no difference. When they were born in America, they became American soldiers. They died for this country. How dare you mock them? Mm-hmm. How can you take the flag away from them? Yep. I mean, I don't know where the common sense is going down the toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're definitely destroying, you know, their own country, our country. They want us to go socialistic. They don't. And they they jump on Trump because Trump is doing something for putting jobs back, bringing industry back. They don't, they want this country. By them having this pandemic and separating people, and here they say they're coming out with, well, we're going to come out with a vaccine. There is no vaccine for your immune system. You can put vitamins and different things to build your immune system up, but there's no vaccine. What their vaccine is, is to put a marker on you so they can clock everybody. Very true. People have been having a hard time with their cell phones lately because they're monitoring cell phones now. They're putting markers in the mask. Yeah, I went to my uh, my phone settings, and yeah. there's a COVID, uh, what's it called, contact Hello. tracing. Hello. Yep. You understand? And what? And, and it's you just turn around and say, whoa, what, what? You know, this spacing of people. If you're six foot apart, they can lock you in. If you're standing next to somebody, they can't. Oh, wow. You understand that? Wow, I never thought of it that way. Ah, and then they're trying to go a uh, coinless too, because there's a coin shortage. They want digital. That's right. They want to go digital with money. Mm-hmm. So, now, so they what they really you. want to do is come back with the gold standard. If they allow Trump to stay in office, they're going to come back and they're going to get rid of the Federal Reserve because all the Federal Reserve is doing is printing paper, putting us further in debt. If mm-hmm. they come back with the gold standard, the 1980s. If you read your history properly, the 1980s, you had a group down in Texas who bought H.L. Hunt's kids. They bought all the silver up because there's a bill that was put in place when Kennedy was Senate was president that they could have changed over to the silver standard. There's enough silver in this country to pay our national debt four times over. Oh, my God. You understand? And we would be back, to, our money would be back with a valuable 
commodity, silver. But gold is even better. Or, you know, they put silver fluctuated up and down because they all thought that that bill was going to be passed, but it never got passed. They got passed. He never signed it into law. And it still sits there. Wow. You understand? This is history that no one teaches children in school. Or how the the whole paper started the money. Like uh, back in the day, they used gold, right, to trade? They used gold. It was gold back, real back currency. And in the 60s, and and this is a fact, you can go on a computer and you can look this up. When when Jack Kennedy became president, and in the 60s, 1960s, they converted the banks from gold standard to the Federal Reserve. They changed over the system. So they were doing audits on all the banks. And they found out that all of a sudden, a lot of our American banks were lending huge sums of money to South America for so-called agricultural loans that were never being paid back. They were feeding the cartels and creating the cocaine business. Very true. George Bush was partners with Noriega. Nobody ever talks about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. The cocaine business, the government was in itself, in it. The no CIA. one ever talks about that. And um, the, the guy that did, uh, you remember the Montel show? Sure. The to- uh, so there was this guy, he was an ex-CIA, and he went on the show and spoke pub- publicly about how the CIA and FBI, they started the cocaine business and they brought it here to the U.S., right? That's right. Well, a little bit after that episode of Montel aired, they found that guy suicide, yeah, two bullet right. wounds to the head. Correct. Absolutely. I could tell you a dozen stories that way. <laughs> right? So, the, but they, 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 they hush all that stuff up. They don't tell you anything. You know, they talk about policemen, brutality on black people. What about the brutality on even white people? Mm-hmm. No one ever talks about how many white people get killed. Oh, in yeah. The but listen, the guy Floyd was no angel. Mm-hmm. This guy was a jailbird. He did a lot of things and he was high the <laughs> day that that guy happened. Yep. He was stoned out of his mind. And yep. he was resisting them when he got in the car. Now, what they did was out of line. What they did was wrong. There's no doubt about it. And they should go down for it. And to, to take the excessive force to that nature is wrong. Mm-hmm. But I got a feeling that somebody was paid somewhere along the line. Because how do you stand there and do something when you know someone's photographing you? And you're standing there putting pressure, killing somebody, thinking if, you're, if you didn't think you were going to get away with it. Yep. And- you understand? There was two other officers. And George Floyd knew that guy. Oh, yeah. They worked at a bar. They club, right? knew that guy. They knew each other. They worked bouncers together. They were never friends because the guy was anti, you know, you, you, racism is created. All this bull stuff is, I mean, I could, well, I could give you so many facts of history, but you got people never look at the real deal, what's going on in the world. They don't look at what's really happening in the country mm-hmm. and how many different shootings there are of other different people and killings over foolishness. They just and see to create what... and to create to create the, the things that they just created of, of, of black lives care for black. That, that that's all prompted, man. Mm-hmm. That's all garbage. That's all garbage. And it's very sad. And I mean, I know myself, you know, we were, when I was raised, we had black, white issues, but we played sports together. We did things together. And there was a camaraderie that no one ever talked about. It wasn't the, the hostilities like today that they, you know, there's just a lot of garbage that they pump. They promote yeah. so much bull. It's like they're trying to promote a war nowadays. Uh, you know, that's sad. It's really sad. I feel, you know, I have a lot of empathy for, I mean, I'm 77 years old. I've lived through a lot of times and seen a lot of changes go on. 
And, and you know, when you people get glued to watching television every day and they don't listen to anybody but what's being said on TV. Mm-hmm. People don't read anymore. People don't look at what history is really about, where this country came from, how great it was, how yep. great we were here to be able to have freedom of speech, to be able to be free, to speak your mind. And they want that taken away from them. And they're allowing it to be taken away. Yep. That's ridiculous. Even uh, like Facebook is censoring people's posts saying it's fake news, but the media posts fake news all the time. You know, All they- the time. All the time. And, and they got people sitting there sucking it up and thinking that that's the reality of what the world's about. And that's really sad. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, do you, there were more people died of AIDS than what's died of this thing. Yeah. Okay? And AIDS was an immune problem. And when they got when they got medicines to help people overcome the HIV virus, it wasn't any kind of it wasn't a, 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 a vaccination. You can't get vaccinated for HIV. Wow, you have to go through a series of, of different medicines. And hopefully, you know, but there was a cure. The guy who started H, do you know, do you even know where HIV came from? Do you know where the AIDS virus even came from? Um, they say it was a government experiment, right? It was a man named George Reconosciuto who was a government genius. And he had a, he had a animosity towards homosexuality. He couldn't stand watching guys come out of an office building with their three-piece suit on, go into a private lavatory, have sex with a man, and then go home to their family in the suburb. <laughs> and they were having sex in bathhouses and playing a game of being, now I'm not a homosexual, but I'm going to go have sex with a guy in the bathhouse and go home to your family in the suburb. Like it and never AIDS, happened. <laughs> AIDS can only happen blood on blood. You can't breathe it or anything or touch somebody. It has to be blood on blood for you to catch AIDS. You understand that? Mm-hmm. And what was the best way to get, and that's why homosexuals had such a, a problem because anal sex created blood on blood lesions. Oh. And when they took it down to Africa, African people, their sex control, birth control is anal sex. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So they spread, the disease spread in Africa like crazy. So they blamed that it came from Africa, they said. Then they took it over to India, where they have a lot of child sex. Whoa. Oh, like the child marriages? Young kids were getting it. AIDS spread like a wildfire. But there was a cure. Look at Magic Johnson, who walks around HIV free. And a lot of other people, wealthy people, that never signed a document, they could never tell where they got the shot, they cured it. Whoa. And Michael Reconosciuto sits in jail today because of AIDS. As the perpetrator of the of the virus. And when he when he invented AIDS, when they every time they went in a in, in a laboratory to try to discover it. It split a thousand to one. That's why it took so long for them to come up with any kind of system that calmed it down. And they, if you remember, it's, you're too young to remember. But when AIDS first came out, they told people, oh my God, you can't shake hands with that guy. You can't be in the same room with him. If he breathes on you, you're going to catch AIDS. That's bull. The only way you could catch AIDS was blood on blood. So it's mass and there's hysteria. There's still people today. They carry the HIV virus in their system. You understand? Yeah. But it's dormant. And and when they they come up with this, with with this COVID thing, that's another immune system deal that they did in a laboratory. And every technician from that Wen laboratory over there are dead. Whoa! Every one of them are dead. Holy Nobody shit. tells you that either. You understand? Yeah. And this is a whole, this is a way of separating people, period. You're separating society. 
having people stay at home, losing their jobs, changing our economy, putting fear in people. Yeah. You got people running around with masks on. I mean, I'm I'm amazed there haven't been more armed holdups. Hey, for real, huh? Because <laughs> everybody's running around with a mask on, you know what I mean? I heard that it's illegal to carry a firearm and a mask as well. Yeah, well, who's going to enforce that? Yeah, huh? Hello. If you're taking the police force away, who's going to enforce it? Hey, that's true. Hello. Wow. You're a smart man. I had no idea you knew all about this. I mean, wow. You, you do your research. You know your history, man. That's fucking awesome. I was born in them streets, man. Mm, nice. I mean, we... That we there, there were times when things were ran by certain people and very smoothly run. That's all gone. Jimmy Hoppe was a good guy. Jimmy Hoppe did something for human. In other words, before Hoppe, if you were a truck driver, you worked 16 hour, 18 hour days. You loaded the truck and you unloaded the truck and for minimal money. Hoppe gave them respectability. Gave them a pension plan. Gave they stopped unloading and loading trucks. They were they just drove the truck to the warehouse. People unloaded it. Boom, bam, bam. Whole different kettle of fish. There were lawyers and doctors who rather drive a truck over the road because they're making six digits a year out in the fresh sunshine. <laughs> just driving the truck. They like driving. You understand? Gave wow. respectability to a lot of people. And what they put him in jail for was total bull. How he died was his own fault. And they made such a big deal about it. They just did a movie called The Irishman. Oh, that was about him? That was total bull, how he got killed. Who killed him? It was all, I don't know if you never saw the movie then, did you? No, I haven't seen it, but I heard about it, right? Like Al Pacino's in it, and uh... yeah, it's great actors in it. But they, the story, again, Hollywood took liberties. They told because there's so many stories that no one has a true ending for. They put their own ending in. I, I knew see. Frank Sheeran well. Frank Sheeran was from Philadelphia. I knew Frank Sheeran. He was a driver for Hoffa. I knew Russell Buffalino well, from Western Pennsylvania. If Russell saw that movie, he'd turn over in his grave. Wow. And they have in that movie, they have Frank Shearer killing Hoffa and killing Joey Gallo. That's a lie. That did not happen. So they just completely made it up. They just made it up. Wow. That's a shame, man. It's all well, for it's money. It's a shame because it changes history. You know, just like where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? been a mystery for so many years and no one's ever going to find a half a grave there is none so they don't know what they're talking about wow so uh, i'm not too familiar with his story how how, how exactly did he die jimmy mm -hmm. jimmy when he went to jail the day he went to jail truckers lined up all the way into Lewisburg, where he was put in prison, lined up all the way along the road saying goodbye to him, honking their horns and everything. Because had American Teamsters walked off the job, because they had already made the transition from rail to truck, this country would have been crippled. And they were going to walk off their jobs to keep half a home. And Jimmy said, listen, if I did the crime, I'll do the time. And the crime was bull. They said he stole $8,000 from the Teamsters Fund to build something, to redo his house. Jimmy Hoffa didn't have to steal $8,000 from a fund that wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for him. Wow. There would have been no Teamsters Pension Fund. You understand that? Mm -hmm. I knew Hoffa. Hoffa was a man's man. Jimmy Hoffa would never ask you to do what he wouldn't do himself. And when he when he, he he spent more time in jail than he ever thought he was going to spend, he backed the wrong president. When he came out, he signed some documents stating that he would leave the union alone 
for X amount of time. He wouldn't go near it. He'd stay away from it. The day he came home, he walked right in Fitzsimmons' office and told him to get out of his desk. And Fitzsimmons said, Jimmy, you're going to get us all locked up. And Fitzsimmons was scared to death because they blew up his son's car. Oh. It frightened him to death. So he was doing anything he was told to do. Hopper was never that way. Hopper ran the union in a proper manner. And when he sat down and people he called people from New York and they said, uh, Jimmy, let things cool down. Get out of that office. You can't be there. You signed an agreement. This is my union. He said, I want my union. I'm taking it back now. And then he started shooting his mouth off and he, they said, Jimmy, you're on the telephone. And he was talking to some serious people in New York. And then he made statements like, they, when they built Caesar's Palace, $25 million came from the pension fund. They borrowed it, but they paid every dime back. They made a lot of loans from the pension fund, but they paid it all back, organized crime. You understand? Wow. And then he turned around and he said, he made one bad statement at the end of the day. They kept telling him, Jimmy, you're on the phone, calm down. Let it all settle out and all work out. I don't give a shit. He said, I'll go to the press. And the guy hung the phone up. And that was the end of Jimmy Hopper. Holy shit. So they thought he was going to snitch, basically? He, he hurt himself. He hurt himself. And, 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 and Jimmy, whether he would have or wouldn't have, I don't think he would have. I, I mean, he wouldn't. That's not the Hopper I knew. Hopper was, I, I had a lot of time for Jimmy Hopper. Jimmy Hopper was a man's man. He was. He, he took took people from nowhere and brought them into stardom. But he had a big voice, and he controlled a lot of votes, and that scared the shit out of a lot of people. You understand? I could totally see that. Yeah. And they were trying to get rid of him. Bobby Kennedy made it a passion to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of him because he controlled a lot of votes. And they wanted those votes. They wanted, if he didn't see the things that they saw, he saw a better America than that. What he did was to build America. Building the Teamsters as big as he did was good for the country. Gave a lot of people stability and jobs and incomes and good incomes. Plus, it was great for the growth of a nation. Yeah, it, it, that's how the, the Industrial Revolution kind of blew up, you know? Yeah. So, you know, but it is what it is. What can I say? Wow, <laughs> anyway, man. The movie business is a lot of fun. <laughs> Family Legacy is a great book. Go to familylegacythenovel.com. you find it. We're going to make a great miniseries. We're going to make a great, I'm going to have three more books coming. We're going to tell a lot of truth about things that have happened in the country. And it's time. It's time people know the truth. For sure. I totally agree with you, man. I love that. I love the way you think, by the way. You're a smart man. I gave the book to high school kids when I wrote it 10 years ago. I gave it to a half dozen high school kids. And they ran back to me two weeks later and they said they went to the library to look up the names of people in the book. And they said, why have they never taught us this in school? Yeah, it's they're they're just controlling. They're controlling. They could, if they there control you what you see, they could control your emotions and how you act. What can I tell you? You know. Yep. And um, so are your books also available available on Amazon or Kindle? Yeah. Yeah, if you go to FamilyLegacyTheNovel.com, it takes you right to Amazon. Sweet. And so that's becoming a mini-series pretty soon? Yeah, it's going to be a mini-series and then a series. And we're going to combine another book we're going to put with it is, a, is a Lucky Luciano's uh, Testament, his last will and testament. Wow, looking forward to that. And uh, so – um. The Superman sequel, is there a name for that or can you talk yeah, about we're that? Trying, we have to make the deal first. Okay. So, so I'm we're totally, going to get it. We're going to do it. 
Um, you got me so excited about that. And, you know, everybody listening, watching right now, I would love your opinions of a new Superman movie. You know, just like Jack was talking about bringing the old characters back and your character actually speaking. Oh, my God. Yeah, mind blowing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's wow. That would have the whole world streaming. I mean, wow, that's that's crazy. Well, um, hey, thank you very much for coming on, man. I had fun. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. And have a great day, man. You too. You too. Bye. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail.com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.